I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is that an introduction? I like it. Is that it. how a podcast starts? Okay, well, that's the introduction to the podcast. I like the one. Uh, I liked the intro you did before we started recording better. Oh, when I said what Sophieing my Lichterman's? Yeah, because I'm I was I, I'm obsessed with myself. I know, but I can never do the same introduction twice. That's fair. So we'll just pretend Legally. it didn't happen. Legally, that's part yeah, of my yeah. contract with the government. So this is behind the bastards podcast about the bad people in the world. And uh, we're doing something a little bit, a little bit, a little, little, little bit different today. See, it's helpful in this show with all the breaking news that happens in the world and the fact that I sometimes go cover it live uh, to have a, a little bit of a backlog built up. It gives us some flexibility, lets us do things. And we lost that backlog this summer because of all the riots that I had to uh, attend. Um, so we're trying to build that backlog back up, but I got to write like 20 pages a week just to just to to keep moving. So we're we're working on some ways to get some to get ahead a bit. And and one of them is today's special episode. Uh, we're focusing on what I would call a little bee bastard, uh, someone who would not be enough to get an episode of Behind the Bastards on his own. But I do think is interesting in the way he's shitty. So I've written a short essay about him and then we're going to delve into his book. Um, and to help me explore this particular little bee bastard, this 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 <laughs> special piece of crap, uh, is Shireen Lanayunas. I'm back, fam. I'm back. Come on, Shireen. We're uh, talking about yeah. David Rubin. Oh, thank you. That, that was wow. The last little bee I thought you would say. David Rubin. Should I know David who? David Rubin. I think, I mean, I, I can. <laughs> That's good. 
That's, that's, <laughs> Stand by should I know Google who it. David Rubin is? No, you you shouldn't. Um, you really shouldn't. He he's very popular um, among people who are trash. Um, yeah. And, oh, great. You are not, not very popular. He's like moderately popular because he hangs on to people who are very popular among people who are trash. Mm. But he himself is of uh, of at best modest notoriety. Now, he's been very successful at writing the coattails of some of the shittiest people in our discourse to modest success. Uh, actually, significant. Like, a lot of money. But that's partly he, he's due a, to he's the He's a trash brothers. leech. A trash leech. Um, Robert yeah. just stepped away, so it's my opportunity I, to say, <sighs> off the top, I, just, I want to get out of the way, but... Uh, I don't know if I could top my last appearance. Uh, that was a trip for me. Um, but I just really, I really, really want to thank everyone that reached out to me via email, Twitter, Instagram. I read everything you wrote. I tried to respond to everyone that I could, but it really meant a lot to me. Um, and um, yeah, it was just really sweet and really affirmed that I should be vulnerable and normalizing talking about sex and sexuality is so important to me and it's okay if i'm the vehicle for that sometimes <laughs> but uh but yeah i just wanted to say a really quick thank you to all the listeners that are listening now that maybe have reached out to me because your words really meant a lot mm-hmm. thank you that's all. well that's very sweet to hear and very and very soulful, which is appropriate because the person we're talking about today um, doesn't have a soul. Not um, a single okay. ounce of soul. Yeah. Good not, to know. Good to know. Yeah. Which yeah. makes which makes this episode which makes you the perfect guest for this episode because you are full mm-hmm. of soul and love and warmth. Oh, thanks. I really feel dead inside most of the time, so that's nice that you have that impression of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shireen. You you, you you don't know David Rubin. He's like a YouTuber. He's a right-wing YouTuber. He gets a lot of Coke money. Um, oh. And he's, he's pretty trash. So we're going to read a little essay about Mr. Rubin. And then we're going to read from his book. Oh, which I is can't called, wait. Oh, you're going to love it, Shireen. It's called Don't Burn This Book, um, which is, I think, <laughs> a, a, a pretty sad attempt to make people like... To, to act as if there's anything actually um, right. uh, disruptive in there, as opposed to just being another cash grab by a guy whose basic modus operandi is to support the Republican Party. So right. David Joshua Rubin was born on June 26th, 1976. Uh, obviously, since this isn't a, a standard episode, I'm not writing 10 pages on this guy, but we do have to get some context of his career because it's interesting and he's emblematic of a species of grifter. He grew up in what he called a fairly secular household in Long Island. Uh, he came of age in Siasset, New York, uh, or Siasset. I don't know how you fucking East Coast fucking... I hate that whole fucking coast, Shireen. Um, it's S-Y-O-S-S-E-T, New York. He grew up there. He got a bachelor's degree in political science at Binghamton University. Um, and despite a complete lack of talent and charisma, Dave decided that he was going to be a stand-up comedian. So... Dave decided that like I he was going to be a stand up comedian and he's he had no uh, talent in comedy, uh, no ability to really work a crowd, um, but he decided to give it a shot anyway. So he started rampaging through a bunch of open mics in New York. Uh, most of his jokes centered around the fact that that he was a gay man. And isn't that funny? Um, <laughs> like oh that, God. that kind of comedy. I've never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. In the early aughts, he was one of the hosts of a podcast called Hot Gay Comics, um, which oh. I'm sure was. Very I, lo- I love when people make their sexuality their entire personality. Yeah, I'm gay and I do comedy. That's yeah. the joke. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, he made a public access fake news program, like like a parody of a news show uh, in around 2000. Um, and he co-founded a couple of comedy clubs. His career in standoff never really took off. Like he was, he was, he had a, a certain level of prominence, like within a certain community, but it was not the kind of thing he was ever going to make a good living at, which is why he mm-hmm. quit in 2007. Um, and I, I think looking at a few clips of him being a comedian, it's very clear why his career didn't take off. Uh, cause he's, he's very, very bad. He's, he's a, he's a void of charisma and I'm going to send you a link here. I was just going to say, both. I love that you put yourself through that, but now you're putting me through that. So, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Never mind. Well, <laughs> thankfully, this is from a tweet by Nathan Robinson. I'm not sure if he's the person who collected the videos or not, but somebody took clips from a bunch of his different standups over, I think it was probably over a couple of years. And so we just have him like a few different punchlines of his so we can see how uh, how the crowd reacts to Dave Rubin. Lesbians love Amstel. What is that? What is it? It tastes like water. <laughs> is there anything hotter than a lesbian spitting Amstel light all over herself? This has become very uncomfortable. And you, I think you're gay. You're, but you're. Am I right? No. Really? No. Mormon? You raise your hand. Does anyone need their genitals warmed up? That is our show. All right. Did you guys have fun? Does anyone need their genitals warmed up? Yeah, that's a joke. Uh, that's get it because he's 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 not straight, so that's the joke. Um, I did post this is I this is pretty funny, but I did post this image the other day <laughs> that has this wound on someone's arm and it says white guilt, and then there's a band aid coming over it that says queerness. Um. And I do think some people use their sexuality and or queerness. And this is coming from a queer person. Uh, white people use their queerness sometimes uh, as a way to skirt around the fact that they're problematic. And that uh, gives them this like leeway to say whatever they want when really uh, it doesn't do that at all. If that makes sense. I'm like summarizing that meme in a very uh, roundabout way, but weaponizing your sexuality is never really uh, to, to disparage someone else is never really uh, advised in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't think he was meaning to be disparaging at this point. I think it was just a matter of like, he's not a very good comedian. And so like, you know, this was the early aughts, early two thousands. That was sort of like, like you, you watch a lot of TV shows that had like gay characters in them. And like the joke was that they were gay, but it wasn't like they weren't trying to be mean. It was like attempting, like there's a Simpsons episode that won an award for gay representation. That is, cringy to watch these days but like at the time they're like oh my god the gay people in the show aren't monsters like it's like Mm so i think he was kind of writing that wave um which didn't last long because people were like oh what if we just treated everybody like people and like didn't didn't you know Mm -hmm. and and dave was reaching for for material and it didn't really he couldn't reach very far no, and he, yeah, he, you can see there, like, he can't work a crowd, he has no charisma, people don't like him, um, 
when he does like a live show. Uh, and this made, you know, a career in live performances less than an ideal professional route for Dave. But he did have some talents. You know, he was good at organizing things. He put together some comedy clubs. You know, he was, he, I, I assume his show was funny enough that it earned him some, like the, the ac- local access show that it earned him some attention. And he got an internship with the Daily Show's John Stewart. Um, what? Yeah, which is big. Yeah. And this is like early twist. on, like when John Stewart is like kind of having his big rise to prominence, you know? Um, so Ruben does that for a little while, and I think it eventually leads him to get hired by the Young Turks Network, uh, and it moves to California and stuff. And the Young Turks is like a, um, yeah, so like, we'll talk about them in a second, but yeah, he, so he gets his own show, The Ruben Report, on the Young Turks Network, uh, back but, in I mean, 2013. John Stewart and the Young Turks, that's pretty left, you know? That's yeah, and he's left at this point. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 at least masquerading as a progressive at this point. So he's mm. like 37 years old when he gets his show with the Young Turks, and that's kind of his big break. Now, the Young Turks are a progressive left-wing news network unadvisedly named after the architects of the Armenian genocide for reasons too complicated to explain here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the network's number one claim to fame was providing the launch pad for the career of one of my favorite journalists, Ken Klippenstein, who, who's pretty fucking cool. We love yeah. Ken. Yeah, he's the Kenny best. Clips. The best Twitter follow you could ever hope for. Yeah, he fucking rules. Um, So for a while, like that's kind of like it's a pretty you know progressive network, Um, not hard left, but not Democrat, like kind of soft left, like Sandersy is kind of where we'd say it. Um, And for a while, David's show was pretty standard, like soft left wing fare. Uh, I'm going to quote from Rational Wiki here, kind of summarizing the stuff that he he got up to on his and the Rubin Report in its Young Turks days. He publicly criticized National Rifle Association commercials trying to incite the fear of consequences of gun reform laws being planned to be passed by the United States Congress, addressed a decision by McDonald's to remove healthier foods from its menu in a critical manner. On a 2014 episode of The Young Turks, he rebuked self-regulation in the economy and claimed that it has never worked, and he was supportive of single-payer health insurance. So Okay... Yeah, he's fine. Like, right? He's yeah. like a pretty normal, like, yeah. kind of lefty Democrat. Um, nothing, nothing too uh, outrageous. There were, however, some early signs that something might be a little odd with Dave. Uh, in 2014, when Israel invaded Gaza, they had that they had their war in Gaza in 2014. Um, the Young Turks did like a 40 minute sort of like episode roundtable where they all kind of talked about what was happening. And Dave got into fights with absolutely everybody by kind of like not kind of by repeatedly defending Israel's behavior in the war. Uh, and in subsequent shows, he repeatedly denied like war crimes that had been committed by Israel. He showed up on like a, a a, a radical atheist kind of podcast to express a bunch of like, like pretty much outright lies about Palestinian people and the Palestinian cause. So like there were some signs like, okay, Dave's something's going on with Ruben here. Something a little bit, not, not the standard for the milieu he occupies. As I'm wearing my Palestine shirt. Yep. Yeah. Palestine yeah. isn't free. Yeah. And neither is my time, Dave. Sorry, and I'm not wearing oh, a, I shouldn't have Oh, that's this nice. I didn't see the lower part. Palestine oh, is yeah. free and neither is my time. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Thank you. So, Dave, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit odd. Uh, and he keeps getting into arguments with um, with other folks at the Young Turks, particularly the founder of the network, Shank Uyghur. And this is probably more or less 
like why he winds up leaving the Young Turks network. He and Jank had a, an escalating series of disagreements that started with Ruben's comments about Palestine. Um, Ruben himself would later claim that he grew apart from the left because of its obsession with identity politics, hostility towards free speech, and unwillingness to debate openly. Um, he now has a completely <laughs> different story for why he he left the left. But um, you know that, that that's as we'll cover. That's the main reason that he's prominent now is that he used to be on the left and he 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 gives a bunch of lectures on why he left. Uh, so wow. that's kind of the whole, wow. he's just monetized that very effectively. So the wow. Young Turks allowed Ruben to take his show and its YouTube account with him. He bounced around from company to company, including Aura TV, which was founded by Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim and Larry King. Uh, that didn't work out, and Ruben went through a number of different hosts and networks over the course of about a year from 2014 until 2016, um, which suggests he might have been kind of a pain in the ass to work with. In 2016, the Ruben Report went independent, and Dave Rubin finally found the thing he was good at. See, 2016 is like the easiest possible year you could have picked to get into the business of making right-wing propaganda on YouTube. The mix of prevailing political wins and Google's algorithm meant that even an idiot could make money spreading quasi-fascist propaganda for a while. And Dave, unfortunately, was not a total idiot. Uh, in a move that showed just how savvy he could be, he pivoted his show to almost exclusively hosting guests who were members of what would come to be called the intellectual dark web. You remember that? That thing? Yeah. 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 So he, yeah. yeah, he sees that all these guys, these like kind of regressive right-wing thinkers are rapidly gaining in popularity thanks to a mix of Google's algorithm and like just sort of the political, you know, it, so he, he, he starts having all these dudes on his show as they're rising, which number one, builds a relationship with them so that they keep showing up even as they get big. And it kind of allows him to siphon off from their fan bases and build a large fan base of his own. Yeah. And this is a very effective tactic. Um, he starts interfacing more directly with other chunks of the right wing uh, information sphere, including Prager University, um, where he stars in a viral video called Why I Left the Left. Um, and I'm going to send you this clip. You're going to start it at Fun. three minutes and 29 seconds, and you're going to run it to four minutes and three seconds of that. Okay, that's... lucky me. I know. You're going to really be happy today. I will say, the minute you look him up on Google, his face... I know I say this maybe every time, but yeah. a very punchable face. A very, Extremely very punchable, punchable face. face. You look up punchable face, that's what comes up. For these reasons, I can no longer call myself a progressive. I don't really call myself a Democrat either. I'm a classical liberal, a free thinker. And as much as I don't like to admit it, defending my liberal values has suddenly become a conservative position. So if you think people should be able to say what they think without being punished for it, that people should be judged by their behavior, not their skin color, and that people should be able to live the way that they want to live without government interference, then there's not much left on the left for you. Yeah, yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, that's the way he... And it, the, the video is very successful. I don't know. How many views does that fucker have right now, Shireen? Oh, my God. It has over uh, 14 million views and yeah. 212,000 likes. Uh, so, and that is you way know, too many. All this together with, like, having people like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, um, and, you know, the kind of IDW, intellectual dark web crowd on his show over the course of 2016 builds a huge brand for David Rubin. Um, and again, the appeal is not Rubin himself, although I think he probably thinks that it is. The appeal is that he has all these people who are really popular on and controversial, mm -hmm. and he's willing to... Um, 
He's willing to have conversations with all of these people. Um, and he he consistently refuses to identify as right wing, as he said in the video. He calls himself a classical liberal. He endorses a libertarian, not Trump, in 2016. But in spite of this, he repeatedly agrees with far right talking points, even endorsing banning Muslims from entering the United States. Wow. He has people like Mike Cernovich and Milo Yiannopoulos on his show and, and Lauren Southern, who like went on his show and defended Richard Spencer while he goes, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah. It's a... Wow. Uh, I yeah. hate Milo so much. So yeah, yeah. His his episodes with these out and out fascists like Milo were ostensibly the civil debates that he claimed that he loved, uh, but he never actually pushed back against any of these right wing folks. Like not never. Um, so they're not really debates. They're just him platforming and agreeing with terrible people because he's mm-hmm. terrible. Um, yeah. Even when like Ben Shapiro, his quote unquote friend, expressed the opinion that Ruben's very marriage is itself immoral because. Ben Shapiro doesn't think gay people should get married. Ruben's like, doesn't, none of this provides any conflict for Dave Rubin. Because as will become increasingly clear, he's never believed in a single thing in his entire life, other than Dave Rubin being famous and rich. I mean, that's a a huge, that's a great point. It's never about the platform or the politics or anything. It is all about Mm -hmm. ego. It is never about anything but ego. And he's just doing everything he can possibly do to inflate his ego and and it just it's not about and make money it's not about yeah. standing up for anyone but himself and i mean and not like, even that he doesn't even stand up for his own marriage i wonder what his fucking husband thought about that yeah and he talks about how disagreements with jank are why he left the young turks but also like the young turks were never going to make him rich like i think they pay a living wage and I, he pro- i'm sure he got a living wage but you don't get rich working for those folks i mean maybe jank has but like the, you, you're not going to get rich doing that gig you can get rich especially in 2016 being a far right youtube grifter yeah and i mean um, the other thing about the young turks is that he would never be the main character you know no, he wants no. to be he wants to be front and center spotlight he is not yeah. because it's about his ego it's not about anything it, else and the sad thing is, he's still not the main character because he only has gained success by like attaching himself lamprey like to more successful mm-hmm. grifters. Um, I'm going to quote from Business Insider here. Ruben's interviewing style is to rely on civility, which in practice serves as a platform for the guests to present their arguments unchallenged, but the idea seems to apply for only one side. In a 2019 interview with then-Democratic presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, Ruben scolded her for making what he called a slippery slope argument in comparing the Holocaust to slavery. Guests like far-right provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos, who said Jews control the banks and media, Stefan Molyneux, who said blacks have smaller brains than whites, and Lauren Southern, who defended Richard Spencer's white nationalism as distinct from white supremacism, whom Rubin later called fearless, were met with no pushback at all when making egregious statements on the Rubin report. Oh my god. Also, Wow, wow, wow. Wait, can you... uh, That was too much. My brain can't handle all of that. Yeah, it's a lot, right? Because he's he's a piece of shit. (laughs) He's just just garbage. Do you want to think about what you want to say while we take a quick... You know who's not garbage? You know who won't platform Lauren Southern? Ooh, ooh, who, 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 who? The products and services who support this podcast. Wow. No way. Nice segue. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. 
Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back! Oh, fun. I'm so happy to be here. Got a little bit of good news before we dive back into Dave Rubin. Uh, Please. uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer just said that uh, if not released, he'll die in prison. With a picture of him on a walker. Which is like, okay. (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Like, Um, I don't, I actually hate the idea of incarceration effectively used as a death penalty. But also, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to use any of my fucks that I have to give on fucking Harvey Weinstein right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? I'll promise for the sake of intellectual consistency, if we deal with 30 or 40,000 more pressing problems, I will care about that injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. down the line, maybe yeah. in 
Yeah, sure. Whatever. We, we, we take care of a few 10,000 problems, deal with climate change, you know, stop the rise of fascism, reform the criminal justice system so that black mm-hmm. men stop getting murdered by cops and indigenous people stop getting murdered by cops. Uh, in the war on drugs, release everybody with a drug-related conviction. Um, you know, we, we get all that done. Um, then I'll, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll be maybe, like, yeah, we perhaps. should we should make sure Harvey, you know, dies in a, a two-bedroom apartment that is is comfortable but also keeps him isolated from the rest of humanity rather than locking him in a torturous cell. Um, I'll mean, get on I board just, that. I don't know. I think I would still... Uh, we might disagree on this. I, don't, I think he maybe should die. I think I would... I think you... I don't know. I'm there not willing to endorse him dying kindness. in prison, but I will have a long argument with you about whether or not he should die in prison while he's dying in prison. And then if he happens to die in prison while we're trying to come to an accord, uh-oh. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, wait. Okay, I see what you, I, okay, I see I see my uh initial uh my anger got the better of me. But yeah, you're right. I think <laughs> I think you're completely right. I think uh justice needs to be served in a in a better way than just him disintegrating in a prison cell. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he and um, Paul Manafort, I think he and Paul Manafort oh. should have to inhabit a, a small apartment in Wiskegon and yeah, pick roommates. citrus all day. Oh my God, yeah. Weinstein and Manafort roommates, I would watch that reality mm-hmm. show. And, and they, they, they can be the only ones picking citrus on whatever farm they're on because neither of them <laughs> can be allowed to talk to people other than each other. Yeah. yeah Just you know two what? old monsters grifting each other and picking lemons all day. <laughs> getting oh, heat that's stroke. kind of entertaining to think about it is um, fun okay so we're yeah. back to we're back to dave rubin day rube droob droobin um so yeah uh i'm gonna quote here from a his write-up in rational wiki about sort of how he, all of his positions changed as soon as it became very profitable to be a right-wing grifter of course. Rubin reversed his earlier stance on self-regulation in the economy, saying on a 2018 episode of the Joe Rogan Show that he wanted major deregulation and greater self-regulation, after saying, it never works. In addition, he's shown an ever-expanding devotion to bringing in controversial right-wing figures, including those with sympathies to causes of objectivist-style libertarianism and people with far-right views on topics on his show in the name of free speech. One such figure is Stefan Molyneux, known for both objectivist stances as well as reactionary attitudes to women's rights, given his openly negative view of women as well as Molyneux's support of racialist perspectives. He's a Nazi. Uh, when he does invite guests on the left now, it's usually only to complain about regressivism, which is his favorite word, that the left is regressive, um, which he, you know, def- fights against by partnering with people on the regressive right, I guess. So Ruben's pivot has made him into a wealthy man. His YouTube channel has well over 2 million subscribers. Again, he he works for one of the foundations or whatnot that he gets funding from, uh, is funded itself by the Koch brothers. Um, of and kind awesome. of a traditionally shady thing. Yeah, he gets Koch money. Uh, as of 2019, he's hosted by Glenn Beck's The Blaze Network. And all of this has made him a very wealthy man. He bought a $5 million house in the Hollywood Hills like a year oh, or so ago. You, very dude. recently. Yeah. All of this has caused Anna Kasparian, his former colleague and friend at the Young Turks, to call him a lazy fraud who wanted, quote, to make a six-figure salary to host a 30-minute-a-week show despite herself and her colleagues working 12-hour days for far less. Uh, she reiterated that he's sold out to corporate America by pointing out he's received money from the Koch brothers and alleges that he has no true political identity. Uh, he's not an honest actor nor an intellectual, just a fraud, plain and simple. I um, like her. Yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate. And she was she's she was his friend. Um, which has to I mean, be a bummer it, it when is, your friend yeah, sells you out. Yeah, I mean, it's out. like weird to work with someone on a very left-wing platform and then yeah. suddenly see them yeah. sh- see, like, 
swap over to the other side simply because it's more lucrative and I don't know, uh, attention grabby because then it just proves they were never about any type of cause. Like she's right. Like he doesn't have any political opinions. He's just, he's just a attention whore. And that reminds me, uh, to throw in a plug for my new, uh, nightly show on Fox news, Robert Evans (laughs) left bad, uh, which I will be recording from the private Island that I bought with my signing bonus. Robert Um, Evans left bad. Yeah, that's left. That's, it's what, just that's me the saying best you could come up with. Yeah, exactly. Left wing bad over and over again, and playing clips of Antifa looking scary. Um, I've, I've made seventy better, million like dollars right. already. No, like, no, no. Robert the key is Evans you don't think about it at all. Bad. Left <laughs> bad. Hates it. <laughs> I hate it so much. If you're gonna and be a right wing <laughs> grifter. You Robert, can't think at all about what you're doing. Robert, you just I, I mean, I speak for the listeners. We expect better. Robert well, Evans. You're not my listeners anymore. Bad. A bunch of frightened elderly people watching Fox News are going to be my listeners now. I, and all I, mean, I have to tell them is that the left it, wing is bad. Why would it not be behind the left bastards? That's uh, too complicated uh, a title. Uh, Way too complicated a title. Robert Evans left bad. I'm just gonna left, think left about right equal, wing. Well, how about left equals bad? That, all right, that's the, that's the all right. This is bad. it's getting yeah. it's getting worse. So let's move it's on. It's getting worse. It is getting yeah. worse. So I, there are <laughs> thankfully some signs that Dave's ride to the top may be nearing an end. Much of his fame and his fan base were developed due to his close relationship to members of the intellectual dark web. He was often seen as the group's hype man, and in fact, he acted as the hype man for Jordan Peterson during the Professor's World Tour after the release of his book Twelve Rules for Life. Like he would introduce him at shows and stuff. And this gets worse do and worse. Terrible, terrible sets. Um, but in recent months, the intellectual dark web has kind of faded into a subcultural memory. We don't talk so much about those guys these days they've become how, less why, relevant why is that like how have they made that possible like how have they well, made them themselves truly fade away into the background while still existing the intellectual dark web's whole goal was to kind of provide do you know what parachuting is remind me well there's a couple of ways to do it but one of them is you put like a bunch of drugs that you're going to take and like a little uh, uh, a packet of something and swallow it so that it uh, dissolves slowly in your in your stomach. And it's kind of a way to avoid the nasty flavor and to get maybe a longer high. It's parachuting. Wait, can um, you repeat that? I'm going to take some notes. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, I'm kidding. It, de- like, the intellectual dark web, we're kind of parachuting fascism into our culture mm. by, like, wrapping it up in... Um, uh, like just asking questions and the other kind of but shit. But they did they it. But they did it. That that's they did it, and now they're not as relevant anymore. Like, but that's ben what Shapiro, they wanted, huh? In a way, isn't I don't that what they so. wanted. They like it's. I think <sighs> they just wanted to be famous and prominent intellectuals. Um, but the problem is that now it's moved beyond them, and the right is represented by a mix of the president and a bunch of gun-toting, um, howling. Uh, violent fascists and mm. people like Ben Shapiro um, yeah. don't have nearly as much cultural like cachet as they used to have because things have moved far beyond them. Um, and things have moved far beyond guys like, like obviously Ruben's biggest break was his, his friendship and his relationship to Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson's brain melted this year. Um, and his daughter first subjected him to experimental Russian drug addiction therapy and then gave him COVID. Um, so he's not, 
he's not really someone that Dave can cash in on anymore. Yeah. Uh, Who knew uh, that an all meat diet would do something to your body? Yeah. I think that was. I don't even know if that's what did it. Like, it's just in general. Yeah. Uh, Dave Rubin also had kind of failed during his maximum period of expansion to really have any actual, like, a bunch of left wing folks kept asking him to debate, like, and he would never say yes, and he would actually regularly block them um, when they argued with him because he actually hates debate. Um, so he doesn't, he's kind of locked himself into this position where the acceptable ideological spectrum of discussion in his show gets narrower and narrower every day. Um, and he can't really bring in new blood and the thing that he, the, the, what was once a fertile field for a guy like him, which is kind of like, I hate the left now. I'm not a right winger. I'm a classical liberal. Like, listen to me as things have gotten more polarized, nobody gives a shit about that anymore. Um, or at least people give less shits about it than they used to. Uh, and I actually found a write-up in Medium from one of his former fans um, who is still really a big fan of guys like Ben Shapiro and Sam Harris and Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, um, but who has gotten bored with Dave Rubin lately. And I want to end this chunk of the episode with a quote on from that. I say this as someone who genuinely admires people like Sam Harris and even what conservatives like Ben Shapiro have to say. In 2019, the Rubin Report is only concerned with the same handful of repetitive topics. Criticism of social justice warriors, political correctness, and student coddling on university campuses is all well and good, but it has reached the point of ad nauseum with Dave Rubin. I would further argue that outside of niche internet political circles, the vast majority of people in daily life are hardly concerned with these subjects to begin with. After the 8th or ninth softball question interview with a right-leaning guest on dunking on blue-haired gender studies major working at Starbucks and other blasé conservative talking points, I eventually decided that listening to the Rubin Report every week was hardly the best use of my time. And this dude, who's a fan of his, got blocked by Dave for, like, arguing very politely with him on Twitter. Because, again, Dave's a uh, little fragile, fragile little mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. Well, fragile, fragile man ego. Wow. So that's a little overview of Day Rube, of Drubin. Day Rube. Day Rube. Yeah. What? So but now, so now is it time to make get, fun of him now? Can we make it fun? is. It's time to it's time to look <sighs> into his terrible book. Um, don't burn this book. Uh, it's like yeah. reverse psychology. Like because now all I want to do is burn his book. Oh, see, I don't care about his book that much. To but to I also it. just like to burn things. Maybe I should preface that. I, I like. Yeah, to burn I things. mean, I do enjoy a good fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the book is like the cover is "Don't Burn This Book" in big letters, uh, subheading "Thinking for Yourself in an Age of Unreason." And there's a big match on the book, um, oh, and God. we're gonna do the thing we always do, where we we buy the book and then refund it as soon as we finish here. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. his face isn't on the cover. Uh, yeah, so am I. It has like a, a jacket quote from Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, which I guess must be one of the last things Dr. Jordan B. Peterson did before his, his brain melted down. Um, nice. yeah, Aww. whatever. Um, yeah, so, uh, his, <laughs> there's a fun quote in here from, um, yeah, his publisher writes that in a time of madness, the book will give you the tools you need to think for yourself. Uh, which is very funny for for Dave Rubin to say. The tools you need to think for yourself. He's never thought a single. No, he just thought. lets other people spew their thought vomit out on his show, and then he nods. Unless He's they're a on the left, in which case literal he agrees, garbage. disagrees shallowly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a representative passage from the book before we get into it reads, I want you to walk into a bar and order a full-bodied opinion. I want you to get absolutely wasted on facts until 3 a.m. And then when you're just about ready to pass out, I want you to get another glass of reality and chug it. See how funny that is? The comedy? Wow. He's he like reading, he's drinking. Metaphors and and drunk on really... knowledge. Wow. 
Well, yeah, and it's not even like the funny version of that. Like you could do a funny version of that where it's like, I want people to be well informed. I want people to get wasted on the facts. I want you to be shitting on the floor yeah. of your aunt's apartment <laughs> with knowledge. Right yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, but Dave but Rubin. I'm sure. Has, I'm sure when he read that back, he was like, "Fuck yeah, man." Yeah, I'm comedy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's he's bad. Anyway, let's look into his book, uh, shall oh, we? I actually yeah. want to start by reading. So I told you, he's given a couple different versions of the story of, like, why he finally left the left. And, right. you know, it started with his, like, the, the what seems to be the facts is that he had a bunch of disagreements with Jank about his support of Israel over Palestine. And, like, that led to other disagreements. And he was just kind of a pain in the ass to work with. Um, but in his book, Ruben gives a very different story. And he claims that, like, his, his break with the left started in 2016, which we know it happened much earlier, but this makes it is kind of a better story. And it was during an interview with Larry Elder, who is a conservative talk radio, a black conservative talk radio guy um, and a very experienced talk radio guy. Um, and Ruben used the phrase systemic racism um, and oh. Elder challenged him and rallied off. You know, he did the thing that like you can do if to people who aren't good at debating about something like this and like right. give off anecdotes about individual incidents of police brutality that were misreported or talk mm -hmm. about black on black crime. Um, which, you know, ignores the fact that white people commit the most crimes against white people and ignores yeah. the fact that, like, no, there's actually quite a bit of, like, well, yes, there are misreported cases of police brutality. There's a lot of documentation about it. Like, in, because Ruben doesn't do research because he's dumb, um, or at least because he's a bad researcher, or at least because he's dishonest, he had nothing, like, he had nothing Profound to say against to this. Profound or anything like that. Yeah, and so he claims that, like, this interview with Elder is what uh, changed his 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 opinion, which is, like, why um, it, it's a smart move for him to try to pull, I guess. He did it a little bit late, but, like, he has to kind of rewrite that history because 2016 is such an inflection point politically, mm -hmm. um, and because this way he can... Um, he can claim that, like, no, it was, like, a conservative black man who, like, pulled me, a gay man, right, away from right. the left. Well, okay, but that's the whole thing. I wanted to uh, clarify something that I said up top about white guilt and queerness, because this is perfectly proves my point, is that yeah. when some um, people that are already marginalized, like, if you're a white gay man, like, you can argue that you're already marginalized, and so you don't have to examine how your whiteness is still problematic. And so I'm sure... I'm sure there's an element of that as far as um, kind of using a black man to like prove his point, like prove, like, 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 like help his story along because um, like in his mind, like I'm also, I'm also marginalized. Like I'm not, I'm not like other white people. Like I understand. Um, so I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Is that, is that no, kind of. Yeah, it does. And he definitely does this thing where like he one of the things he rails against the most in his show is identity politics. But mm -hmm. he also focuses on like, well, I'm a gay man and I think that That's the left exactly is crazy. I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. He, he yeah. uses it to only prove backwards points when really he's not he, he's using it as a crutch to not examine how his whiteness is the main like a huge point of his privilege. Yes. Um, yeah. And especially because he is able to uh, pass as like presumed, like he's he's not someone that would get ostracized in society by looking at him, kind of thing. Um, if, and yeah. so I think there's also privilege in passing, uh, and I think he really uses his sexuality as a, as the worst kind of weapon against 
actual marginalized people, which is so upsetting. And it's so upsetting for the gay community at, in, like in general, because uh, I don't know. I just, that, that kind of, um, uh, that, that brand of, of whiteness is really uh, upsetting to me. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. All of it's very frustrating. And the way in which he kind of cashes in on look a black man agrees with me about the exactly. left like yeah is is very gross. And he I don't know his book is very silly. Um so I I'm I'm going to read from kind of the end of the introduction here. Uh, where he he lists first off the greatest contemporary thinkers in the world, which includes Jordan Peterson, Sam oh. Harris, Ben Shapiro, <laughs> Thomas oh Sowell, God. Dennis Prager, Brett Weinstein, Ayan Hirsi Ali, uh, Christina Hoff Summers, who did a documentary about the men's rights movement, and of course Peter Thiel. Wow, <laughs> famed what? famed greatest intellectual in the world, Peter Thiel. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, they all, I, I mean, I guess we know where some of that money's coming from, huh? It's like um, he's writing a parody. Yeah, <laughs> he is like a parody. Everyone who tries to be an intellectual on the far right is like a parody of a smart guy. Oh, um, really? Yeah. They too came out of the political closet and helped me to see that tribalism is dead and that diversity of thought is far more important than diversity for its own sake. We need diversity of thought. We don't care. It doesn't matter, like, if we, if everybody's white. As long as they think different things, we can have a, like... <laughs> god damn it. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. my god. Yeah. That's, like, one um, step away from, like, I don't see color, but there's, like, a different... There's, like, a different... That's uh, what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he brands his book as a 10-step guide for political authenticity and promises, in it, you'll learn how to embrace your wake-up call. It's the catalyst that brought you to these pages in the first place. Think freely or die. You'll get a much-needed crash course in classically liberal principles that stand the test of time. Yada, 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 yada. And Think then freely stop, or die? Stop worrying about whether you're a Nazi. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you're joking. That is not Mm-mm. real. No. No, Stop. It, that it, is a fucking that is a joke that yeah that is truly if i was writing a parody book about some right-wing nut mm-hmm. that wrote a book about so, oh my god stop yeah. worrying if you're no yeah yeah stop worrying about being a nazi uh because that's that's clearly like if you keep getting called a nazi don't analyze whether or not you're doing nazi shit just accept that like it, 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 that it, it means nothing to be called a Nazi that like you, you, basically shouldn't, you shouldn't even that, like, consider for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't worry if someone calls you a racist, you're fine. Yeah. Like don't worry. You're fine. If you, yeah. Oh my I, God. Dave Rubin so have livid. declared you fine. Yeah. Uh, check your facts, not your privilege. Please don't tell uh, me this book did well. If, if this book did well, I'm I don't think truly it did well. signing off. Yeah. I think it, I, I don't know. I, I think it did. It did. A, a, okay. I don't think it was like a giant national bestseller. Um, let's see here. Um, we can probably pull that up pretty fast. Oh, it's new. It's like, it was like new. universally was politically panned. Yeah. I didn't uh, realize it was 2020. Yeah. The progressive it, it, woke machine from outright. Oh my God. I can't read. The yeah, I know. It's, um, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not fucking great. Amazon. It came out not that long ago. It's like number almost 5,000 in a Barnes and Noble. It's like 40 or 50,000 in Amazon. Like, it, I don't think it's... five out of five? Oh, fuck you. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you have your friends all. Like, it, it, it's not... It has not been, you know, the giant success that I think he hoped it would. They were hoping it would, like... Like, clearly this book is angled at, like, 
converting a bunch of people to the right. Uh, and I don't think it did that. Um, yeah. Stop hating America, the West and straight white men. One of the motivations you'll have to stand up against the mob is that you'll love your country, the straight white men within it and Western values in general. In fact, you'll know that America isn't perfect, nor can any nation ever be, but that she has granted more people, more freedoms than any other country in the history of the world. You'll also know that straight white men aren't evil. It's actually racist and sexist to believe so. And that Western values are rooted in individual rights or the cornerstone of free societies. And again, this is like, he talks about how you have to have your facts straight and go into a debate with facts. But of course, he doesn't like do that with this where number one uh nobody in any sort of prominent position anywhere on the left is saying that straight white men are evil they're saying that like the concept of whiteness is fundamentally toxic and we need yes. to reorient our societies away from it and also the idea that western values rooted in individual rights are the cornerstones of free society ignores a couple of things you want me to list a couple of those things yeah in the in the 1770s when the british conquered india and then starved between 30 and 40 million people to death in order to maximize the profits of the british east india company that was not rooted in individual rights was it not super rooted in individual rights uh when like the european powers took over basically the entire middle east and partitioned it up without asking any of the people who lived in the former ottoman empire where they wanted to live in the sykes picot agreement and then forced a lot of them under dictators in order to maximize oil revenue that was not like you know super respectful of individual rights when the United States had Salvador Allende assassinated or a lot of other leaders assassinated in Central America and then backed death squads through the schools of the America, killing hundreds of thousands of people and leading to mass rape campaigns, including the burning alive of numerous nuns. That was also not rooted in respect for individual rights. Um, You might say Western values have never been rooted in individual rights and have instead been rooted in plundering the rest of the world for the wealth of the West who get to have individual rights as long as they don't criticize the plundering of the world. Anyway, fun David Rubin. I brought some facts, Dave. Um, We can talk about those if you want. I'll go on your show. He'll (laughs) never he'll never agree to any type of back and Mm. forth. He would just expose him. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, but I, I will say I um sk- I'm skimming through these reviews on Amazon. Oh and yeah, I want to throw up. <laughs> oh, are they are they just cloying? Up. They're 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 overwhelmingly positive. I'm sure he must have bought some of them. I refuse to believe this many idiots exist in the world. But there's this really long one, um, that's oh, near the no. top. That is basically. A five-star review. This book can change your life. It talks about how he used oh to be. A, he, he used to call himself a feminist and how feminists in his own life canceled him because of arguments about the crime of rape. And this is Oh, just, boy. Oh, boy. I wonder what those arguments were. <laughs> God. Well, I can continue if you're curious. Yeah, um, please. No, yeah, I want to know what this guy... I want to I want to know this Dave Rubin fan's hot take on rapes. <laughs> Well, okay, this is like the third or fourth, no, this is the fourth paragraph down of this essay review. It says, um, the first line of it is, I had never heard of David Rubin when I was a fan of the Young Turks, and while I still called, past tense, I called myself a feminist. Um, feminists in my own life canceled me for numerous reasons, or attempted to, in parentheses, one of the arguments was over the crime of rape, as in, rape is a heinous crime that has best practices for prevention and resistance, just like preventing and resisting the crime of murder, where men number upon its primary victims. The audacity that one would talk about preventing rape as if the solution is not to simply tell men to rape less. 
We have laws against such things. And these simple school marm admonitions, surprise, don't work on rapists. This got me canceled by more people that I can count, including one person. Um, oh, I had the displeasure of seeing introduce Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins for one of their gatherings. Uh, by this time, I had taken a major dose of the red. I had a major dose of the oh, red pill, of the red and I was pill. seeking ah. some type of comfort. Okay. Was I crazy? Great. Could I be literally Hitler because I dared think outside Could I be the feminist orthodoxy? Hitler? Yeah, of, and it's of the thing like this lockstep. They keep Enter saying David people Rubin. are oh calling them and then, and then literally the rest of it is Hitler. Enter David Rubin and how this man changed his life. Um, oh my god, like, people. For the most part, aren't call I I I I don't believe people have been calling him literally Hitler for his controversial stance on rape. I think they've been like, dude, what the fuck? Like, why are you so adamant about arguing with everybody about rape? And like, like, what is yeah, what is like, wrong, what is with, wrong you? with you? What <laughs> like, is wrong with you? Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Also, like, apparently, he dedicated the book to Ben Affleck. <laughs> is that that Dave real? Rubin did. That's what Chad says on Amazon. <laughs> is that real? That seems like it's got to be a joke. Um, I have to look. I have to double check this. Ben yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, it is. It is for Ben Affleck. I'm sure that's some sort of joke that we don't get because we don't watch his terrible show. Um, I don't know. That's horrible. Uh, well, no, it's not. Fuck Ben Affleck. Like I, I don't think Ben Affleck believes anything other than having a gigantic, hideous tattoo of a phoenix on his back, which in fairness to Ben Affleck, is more of a commitment than Dave Rubin has ever made to anything controversial. Like, <laughs> of course. Like, you gotta give Affleck credit. It, yeah. it is not a cowardly decision to have the no, tattoo that he has. That is a commitment. That, that is, is a, commitment a commitment to a type of person you are going to be, yeah. if anything else, let alone the tattoo itself. I will say, I'm not an Affleck fan. The only thing that Affleck, that I respect Affleck for is, I think it was like in 2014 or something, but I I dislike Bill Maher a lot. I yeah, he's a I piece really, of shit. Really hate I hate him. Bill Maher. Yeah. But when he was on his show and Bill Maher was being his regular Islamophobic self, uh, Bill or Ben Affleck uh, fought back against him on his show, and he was like one of the only commentators on the stage that was like really upset or something, and yeah. like That's fought cool. back pretty hard. So I really respected him for that reason. But I, as I, a regular I, person, yeah. I yeah. I will say of Ben Affleck, and this is actually my favorite thing about Ben Affleck, is that he looks like a man who committed that despite his fame <laughs> and despite being classically handsome most of the time, uh, and despite like the the legions of adoring fans he's had throughout aspects of his career, he committed to never not being the kind of guy who would throw empty cans of steel reserve at his television at four in the morning. Correct. And that's what his back tattoo represents. Like... <laughs> Ben the Affleck riding out, rising out of the ashes. Yeah, and then Just, hucking a steel reserve can at the television because he's right. angry at it. That's Ben yeah. Affleck, and I will gotta say respect I don't him. find him attractive in the slightest. But um, no, but clearly he must have to someone, right? He had that I whole mean, yeah, career. Someone made him Batman, whatever. Yeah. Like apparently he is. He, he ticks some boxes for some people, but people um, want to fuck I, it's, Ben it's Affleck, really, and that's Ben fine Affleck for them. is this classic example of white men just needing to be above a certain height to be considered attractive, in my opinion. This is just um, turned into a Ben Affleck Stan podcast. Stan, no. Stan, I mean, I can't think of a single movie he's been in where I actually cared about his 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 
his appearance his at all. But I, I love the pictures of him like shirtless and out of shape, drunk and staring out at things. In, in I will say, yeah, depression. there's something tragically beautiful about that. Yeah, I, I, I admire that greatly because I, I have that energy myself a lot of the time. Yeah. Just like, fuck this shit. I'm going to drink a yeah. 40 and Those are some you know, of the best vomit in someone else's trash can. Taken. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, great. We're talking about Ben Affleck right now because Dave Rubin sucks so bad that we're all thinking like, yeah. ah, Ben Affleck, there's a person but that I don't despise. But he dedicated his book to him. So it is, yeah. that is kind of it is, weird it is and, relevant. and interesting. You know what's better than Dave Rubin and a more Anything. honest intellectual uh, thinker than Dave Rubin? Raytheon. Ray- exactly. Raytheon. <laughs> well, D- Dave Rubin vacillates and, you know, refuses to commit and, and just lets fascists talk over him and platforms them. Raytheon doesn't platform anybody. They just build missile guidance systems that kill people in Yemen. And you know what? I don't have... Let's roll the rest of the ads. Okay. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. And speaking of backs, I spent the ad break looking at that picture of Ben Affleck's <laughs> unbelievable back tattoo, which I, I at no point in my life will I ever have had enough of realizing that in everything Ben Affleck's ever done, that's been underneath his shirt mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You can't yeah. escape it. You can't escape it. <laughs> all right. Let's le- read what Dave Rubin has to say about drugs. Oh, I've great. done a pretty decent amount of drugs in my day, which is a sign that someone's either done no drugs or only done cocaine. Right. Um, yeah. I've smoked pot, snorted coke, eaten magic mushrooms. I've danced poorly on ecstasy and probably a couple of other things. These days I'm a red wine and indica guy, but I don't deny my past. Actually, I have some great memories of it. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. Anyone so he's, that calls magic mushrooms magic mushrooms has never done shrooms. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so he's talking, he's doing, like, a standard libertarian thing about how, like, it's, we should just legalize this stuff, which is fine. Like, it's the standard libertarian thing you've got to go through. Um, yada, yada, yada. Um, okay, the catch is that this libertarian-inspired view falls apart when it starts to include Schedule One substances, such as crack and heroin, which are obviously very different beasts. Crack is just cocaine. Like, David, yeah. crack is just a form of cocaine. You're just criminalizing the version that you think black people tend to do. Like, he ju- yeah. he has no idea about the history of crack yeah. and why it's called crack. And, we're like, yeah. like, I don't know, man. Like, what a, what yeah. a fucking joke. But, no, these are the drugs that need that need the lightest possible touch of government to, to, to criminalize them. Um, because freedom can't be a free-for-all, he writes. Um, and we don't want a Breaking Bad episode happening next. Or, well, if methamphetamine were, say, manufactured by the government in the way that certain Schedule One narcotics are in parts of Europe and were distributed to people who, need like, take it, uh, and, and, you know, that were like a thing that they could do and get a, get a consistent product and not have to deal with drug dealers, then maybe there wouldn't be as much street crime. And maybe because they're going into like government facilities, uh, where there's nurses and stuff, people could actually get healthcare, uh, and, and hopefully eventually get off of meth, which is how they've treated heroin addiction very successfully in parts of Scandinavia. But like Dave, again, the guy who talks about coming armed with facts doesn't, he just talks about how, oh, he, okay. So he talks about how bad and scary. San Francisco is because of meth and opiates. Um, wow. And that's his, that's why we, the government needs to criminalize those drugs is because San Francisco is scary. And which is like, I fucking grew up in Dallas, dude. Like there's parts of Dallas, like, I, I, like San Francisco has got its sketchy like neighborhoods largely because there's just a lot of houseless people who the local city government and like the NIMBY type rich folks don't want to help. But like fucking hang out in Dallas or fucking Atlanta or like a whole, anyone like every calls, city. Yeah. Like, anyone that calls yeah. San Francisco scary uh, has lived a very privileged life to say the least. It's, it's, 
Yeah, it's a mix of like what they consider scary. Like, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, in in a lot of the deep south, you deal with more meth shacks in San Francisco. You're more likely to find needles on the ground. But it's like, yeah, all of them are symptoms of the fact that our society has serious problems. It's not the fault yeah. of the actual individual substances. No, because it's, we they, know they that failed. that's not how yeah, addiction our society works. has failed so many people, and yeah, tr- and it's just so, not the fault of those people. It's the fault of the society at large. But then making yeah. it sound like they are the reasons why a city is scary that is so problematic yeah it's the whole it's the whole like dave's whole argument basically is that like i think the drugs that white people do should be legal um of course of course or at least that i see white people doing should be legal Mm -hmm. um so yeah this whole section is basically him explaining why like if you support things like gay marriage uh and and uh that kind of stuff uh you you're you're a classical liberal like him um although you should you should still support people who are caught with heroin or meth being put in prison rather than receiving treatment because san francisco scary um mm-hmm. dave rubin is a is a consistent guy oh god okay here's his views on abortion no um before this process started, I'd always been solidly pro-choice, though in the last two years or so, I've begun to describe myself as begrudgingly pro-choice. After learning more about what? the biology of gestation and the process of abortion and seeing the left fetishize it in a way I'm not comfortable with, there are countless videos on YouTube of women celebrating their termination while organizations such as Shout Your Abortion encourages Twitter users to do the same with carefree abandon. <sighs> okay, I, I sorry. I've, I started vomiting when you said the word gestation. Yeah. Oh my- God. Yeah, it's it's him. It's him. Number one, like willfully misunderstanding, like the difference between people being like, "Hey, you shouldn't be ashamed if you've had an abortion." People need to be more mm-hmm. open about that fact, so that like they th- there's less stigma Normalize around it. it. Yeah. Like you're not saying like, "Yay, I love the fact that I got an abortion. It's fun. Let's go get another." <laughs> Nobody like enjoys that process, but there's no shame in it. That's the whole there's point no of shame that in shit. It, yeah, yeah. It's just a thing and that like, you you're do. Normalizing like talking about it and being open yes. about it makes it less of a taboo and makes it less of, less of something that you feel shame around. It's not about being yeah. proud that you terminated a pregnancy. It's about normalizing even yeah. seeking it out. And so it's not this sh- shameful taboo topic. It's this thing that conservatives keep doing with like they do it with sex education too. Where like if you're if you're in favor of like kids getting better sex education, then you're in favor of sexualizing children. It's like <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. like you shouldn't even be telling kids that like sex is good or bad. You should just be explaining very simply what it is, how it works, how their bodies work. Like yeah. it do, it should be it should be like learning about the fucking Falklands invasion or whatever. It should be yeah. just another fucking class. Like this is your body. This is how it works. This is how this all like we're not nobody's. Yeah sexualizing kids you're trying to teach them shit it should just yes it is it's sex yeah it should not be this thing we only talk about behind closed doors like normalizing talking about it starts it should start very young and it should start just as an educational thing and yeah and conservatives make everything about be like they just twist it they twist it so strangely yeah all right, this is a terrible book. Let's move down to the fucking Nazi. Okay, l- l- I want to see some of these oh, headings. No. Don't worry, you're not a Nazi. Oh, God. Don't worry, you're not a Nazi. That's what someone says who yeah. is a Nazi. Congratulations, I have fantastic news. You are not a Nazi. You may be wondering how I know this, considering we've probably never met, but trust me, I know. What's vital going forward is that you know this, too. You don't know David? <laughs> He's like making it sound like if you're reading this book, you're a good person. Yeah. You're smart enough to not be a Nazi. Because you bought I know this that. book by me. Yeah. 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 
Uh, okay, so he goes into how, like, Nazis were actually socialists. Uh, people have totally rewritten history on the matter. No, they haven't. They just understand that it was, like, a branding sort of thing. And that there was a left wing of the Nazi party that all got murdered in the Night of Long Knives. That's what that was, David, was the left wing of the Nazi party all getting killed. But again, none of these people have ever... Oh, yeah, he, he twitters... Or he talks about how Hitler was on the left because he was an art-loving vegetarian. Um, <laughs> and that he wooed voters away from Germany's social democrat and communist. Most of Hitler, like the core of Hitler's support came from the German conservatives. I'm pretty but, sure he buddy, just called Hitler like a the monarchists hipster. in the right wing. But okay. Like, again, just completely, uh, 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 completely. And like, here's, okay, so this is funny. So he talks about how Mussolini also has to have clearly come up from the, been a left-wing guy because he started out as a left-wing journalist, which is true. Mussolini was initially a socialist and a left-winger, like Dave Rubin. Then he became a fascist. Like yep. Dave Rubin, <laughs> you know, he kind like, of glossed over that fact. Oh, cool. He just talks about how real Nazis hated gays and Jews to the point of mass extermination of them. And which is true. Nazis killed a lot of gay people. Let's talk about Ernst Rome. You've heard of the brown shirts, right? Yes. Yeah. They were Hitler's street for his proud boys. These are guys who go out in the street yeah. and would, like murder left wing activists. They were his like his enforcers, the like violent arm of the Nazi electoral movement. The head of the SA, the head of the brown shirts was an a flamboyantly and fairly openly gay man named Ernst Röhm, who was caught when Hitler decided he had to kill him because the Nazis had gained power and they wanted to purge the left and Rome was an embarrassment because he was gay. Uh, they found him at like a giant orgy at a castle with a bunch of his like his like boy toys and stuff and he yeah, like he it like it, wow, Rome, it, the nazis had a ton of gay members early on mm -hmm. they killed them all after they got into power which might be a warning to <laughs> fucking dave rubin <laughs> <laughs> like wow. when you truck with these people who hate you they will use you while you're valuable for them to get in power and then they'll put you in a camp or just have you shoot yourself in a prison david actually He's read like, some history <laughs> He's like mapping out his own demise unknowingly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. Yeah, these people are very frustrating. I do and like I that know. he that he said that Hitler was on the left because he was an art-loving vegetarian. He just basically yeah. called him a hipster, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like I don't know, it's just like the the weirdest thing to be like to prove a point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he does point out that someone on Twitter said, Dave Rubin isn't a Nazi. It, it's just that he'd sit across from Himmler and say, interesting, a lot, which is actually a pretty accurate. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's good stuff. I can't believe Dude. he's so, he's that idiotic to not realize that he, it, people will, he can only go so far with this shtick, I feel like. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it does seem like he's kind of, um, he's running to the end of his grift. Now, he did get very rich. We'll see how long that lasts and how long he's able to, like, carry some of this shit for. Um, but uh, I don't think he's going to have a super long career after I this. Hope because, not. like, especially if hopefully things go well in the election. I mean, we'll fucking see. Um, but even now, like, with Trump in power, like, as ha always happens to these guys, he is rapidly lost influence because Dave Rubin was only ever valuable as a vehicle to like push these far right thinkers, just like all the other intellectual dark web guys. And now that it's become mainstream to just openly call for the executions of your political opponents and the installation of a dictatorship among the right, there's not a whole lot of need for classical liberals, you know? Yeah. I don't know. 
We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope not. I hope you're right. I mean, I trust I trust your instincts. Um, I hope this is the last time I'll ever have to talk about him. Um, Same. But, yeah. God, what a, what a garbage man. Yeah, he's trash. And I think we're done talking about him. Um, wait, I don't want to... Wait, sorry. I insulted actual people that work as garbage men. That's not what I meant. Oh, no, no. Uh, garbage men are awesome. Yeah, no. One yeah, of the most important the jobs in the entire all of civilization. Garbage. Yeah, he is a that's man made of garbage. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. He, yeah. he is like a pile of of trash. He's not a yeah. garbage man. A garbage man would remove him to a dump and thus carry out uh, an incredibly necessary role in modern yeah. civilization. An act of service so, to help us all. Yeah, yeah thank you, garbage men and women. And non-binary garbage people of all sorts. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted yeah. to clarify and, and before someone jumped on me, me saying yeah. that term. Yeah, um, nothing but love for garbage terrified. people here. But not people made of garbage. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah, need to work on some of the language here, but uh, that that can happen later. Shireen, yeah. you got any pluggables to plug? Pluggables to plug. Well, you can follow me along uh, the interwebs if you want. I'm Shiro Hero mm. on Instagram, S-H-E-E-R-O-H-E-R-O. And then on Twitter, it's ShiroHero666. Um, yeah, and I have a podcast called Ethnically Ambiguous. And I'm writing a second poetry book. My first one is out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, I am trying to work on more films. So if you want to see what I come up with, follow me along if you want. And if you don't, I get it. Well, follow follow Shireen uh, and let... Uh, I don't know. I was, was going to have a joke, but I don't I don't have a joke. I, I don't have a joke to end this on. Make your own fucking jokes, people. What, you think I owe you a joke right now just because you listen to my episode? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting abusive now, and that's not Robert, good. I, Robert, I, I, Jesus Robert. Christ. Think back to the image, Robert. Think back to the beach, the tattoo. Yeah, just go the back beach. there. Yeah, fucking Ben Affleck bent <laughs> over, belly <laughs> spilling out, giant phoenix tattoo on his back, and a 40th steel reserve in his hands. Just the saddest man who's ever lived. God, I love him. Robert, you kind of went Robert Evans left bad there. Oh, no. What's that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Watch me on Fox News for my new show, Left Equals Bad, um, filmed on my private island that I bought with the $80 million they gave me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Those flight logs. Gotta watch out. Um, Well, listen, we don't need to talk about... Okay, episode's done. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.